This is WNXS News with your anchors, Kit Harding, Jake E, ISO on Sports, and Diz on Product Forecast. Welcome to WNXS News, your nexus for magic news. I'm Jank E. And I'm Kit Harding. Thank you for joining us. Our first story. It's safe to say that the magic community misses major events like magic fests and GPs. The background of the crowds, the barely audible calls over the speaker system to go to the red gathering point for your draft, and waiting in line to haggle with vendors over what they'll give you for your singles. Computer and gaming universes decided they would capitalize on this sensation and held an event that became known as a Secret GP on August 7th through 8th. Now, on WNXS News, we've spoken about events or situations that people entered into with the best of intentions that went horribly awry. This event puts just about all of them to shame. Secret GP... Is that like the secret menu? Well, no, because despite having less actual marketing, people actually know about most secret menus. It is depressing when more people know about off-menu coffee drinks than a big GP. The main event, a modern tournament, was expected to have over 1,400 participants, but ended up with 67 whole people a legacy side event that had boasted an expected 500 people had only 17 attendees. Strike one. There were very few vendors for attendees to sell cards to, and they decided to both grade and haggle on every single card, even bulk cards that people just wanted to sell as bulk. Selling in bulk is not rare at major events. Strike two. The advertising for the event was largely done on a Facebook event page, which also isn't rare for locally hosted events. However, nowhere on that Facebook page was there any mention of an admission fee. When players arrived, they were charged $30 just to get in the door. Jank, you've been to more large-scale events than I have, is that something that's commonly done? I have never been to a single magic event where I've been charged just to walk in the front door, which makes this strike three, especially with so few vendors available for people to get their money back by selling cards. You're out into the mana vortex with you. As bad as all this is, we're still not done yet. There was also a legacy event with an entry fee of $60 that was supposed to go into the total prize pool available to the players. So, 17 players expected a roughly $1,000 prize to be available. However, it turned out that half of their event fee went towards the admission fee cover charge. So it ended up at only $480. The one thing that seems like it should have gone right was a mask mandate for the store, but even that was handled poorly. Just like the cover charge, the mandate wasn't advertised prior to people actually arriving at the event, so some participants didn't bring their own. 
not wearing a mask was punished by a game loss. Of course, not disqualification. Disqualification would make sense. Game loss, the next antiviral. Yeah, I think I'll stick to masks. Then there were judges who just didn't show up on time, and even the head judge got lost en route to the event. Two main events didn't fire, and the third event got started late as a consequence of, you guessed it, the head judge being lost. 37 people were refunded their entry fees within a 45-minute span, and that's before the event had actually fired. Before any other events had actually started, the event structure ended up changing with zero notice. With an event of the size that was expected, a typical tournament runs eight rounds of Swiss, which means they keep playing until they drop out. After this, there would normally be a cut to the top eight players who would compete for the final prizes. Instead, even with 70 players, there were only seven Swiss rounds with no top eight cut. Prizes were based solely on rankings, with fifth prize being awarded $80 store credit. As a note, the entry for this event was $85, so the 5th through 8th place winners each lost $5. And believe it or not, that's not all. Big events typically have a playmat available as part of the entry package, and this event was at least able to provide that. However, it fell somewhat short of the typical standard we've come to expect of those playmats, and unfortunately for the artist, the Magic Twitter community decided that was basically the last straw. The playmat featured artwork done by a local artist who contributed a drawing featuring several popular anime characters and some magic characters done in a medium that most closely resembled a colored pencil drawing. The image was by itself not bad, but as Kit mentioned, it wasn't at the usual quality we're used to for magic playmats. And there's also at least a minor question of whether the artist could legally have used these characters' faces. But as of yet, nothing has come of it. All of this going wrong has earned the event the nickname GP Firefest. But we have to be fair to CGU. While it was very clear this was an event they were not prepared or qualified to handle, there have not been many recent in-person successes by any organizers. That's right. When WotC decided to terminate their organized play system, they left a vacuum that nothing was truly able to fill. This gave a unique opportunity to let someone try to swoop in and take the organized play business, which would be an obvious boost to whomever could do so successfully. It's definitely made for a new challenge for anyone bold enough to step up, but being a successful tournament organizer requires more than just ambitious dreams. Hey, Kit, would you believe me if I told you that this wasn't the only poorly handled tournament in the last two weeks? Yes, but I know the stories we're reporting on. Fair enough. Well, OCM MTG hosted a modern tournament in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Unlike the secret GP, however, this one didn't get negative attention by being poorly organized or having errors, miscommunications, or lost judges. No, this event's large swath of negative attention was due to the fact that this 100-player event did not require masked attendance, 
And as a result, pictures of the event showed only about six people in the building had worn one. What did I just say about sticking with masks? Well, they couldn't have been listening to you. We haven't posted this yet. While you'd expect at least the store owners and judges to be masked, you'd be mostly wrong. The six masked people includes one masked staff member, which is a different variety of disappointing for the community. And it's fair to say that the magic community has gotten somewhat more cynical over the course of the pandemic, especially showing up here in comments like, the top eight is all in fact, and 96 players, five masks, tournament winner, Delta variant. We here at WNXS News are not doctors or scientists, but we do believe in the power of science and strongly urge listeners to mask up at any events you attend, especially with the new variants appearing and nowhere near enough vaccinations out yet. Next up, this year we've seen a lot of the negative side of the magic community, but we've also seen this community come together in positivity. From GoFundMe promotion to helping with medical bills or even charity streams, the community has shown that there's always still a good side to it. A lot of these events have overlap with the personalities involved, whether promoting it or participating directly. I was able to sit down with one such person and our first return interview, Hobbs Q of the Goblin Lore Podcast. We spoke about what goes into charity streams as well as the challenges and hurdles that people have to overcome. I'm here with Hobbs Q. Hobbs, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. It's been a while. It has. Our first ever return guest um, that puts you in, I guess, an elite club by yourself. <laughs> I was going to say, that's it's me. It's you. Like, you cool. You, I get it. You're the I president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, um, everything. <laughs> um, uh as a quick reminder for our listeners or as just a base intro for anyone who may not have heard our previous episode with you, could you give us a brief overview of who you are and what you do related to magic? Yeah, so um, so I'm Hobbs Q. I can be found on Twitter either at Hobbs Q or uh, the other place would be at the Goblin Lore Pod, uh, the Goblin Lore Podcast. So it is the mental health meets magic the gathering slash magic the gathering lore a lot more focus on community especially since we've kind of come back after an initial hiatus we're on another short one right now but i mean but a year or so ago we a uh, year and a half ago we had taken a break um and we moved away from just specific hard deep dives in the lore more using stories though is a lens to talk about community and talk about real life Okay, um, and y'all are on hiatus right now, but we will come back to that shortly. Uh, today, we have you on to talk about charity streams with magic. Uh, you've done three of these previously. Is that right? Yes, I have done three so far. Yeah, mm -hmm, that is. Yeah, all within the last six months. So can you give us a quick overview of what those were, uh, what the, what charities they were for, and with whom you cooperated? 
Yeah, so um, so I did one with um for Princess Lily Chan for her birthday. So she was actually on the um, Goblin Lore podcast to talk about it. So we she did a kind of an all day uh, Magic the Gathering online stream uh, with a, a lot of creators for her birthday, uh, and kind of raising money for kind of trans organizations. Uh, we did in the month of May. So May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So. Uh, it, it came together kind of pretty quick, but a lot of people had started towards the beginning of May tweeting for mental health MTG. And we were able to kind of pull together the same thing, an all day stream. Um, you know, we actually, we actually played some MTGO. We played some paper commander on spell table, but it was literally all day long of just game after game. And, um, we had people that were willing to match. So people that did some donation matching, we were able to get prizes to donate and, you know, we were able to raise kind of a significant amount of money for the national Alliance for mental illness. And then my last one was with these people called the four clown throwdown. Um, and I mean, I feel like you should have to talk about it a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, it, you it wasn't my idea that. though. I was a part of it, but I wasn't one of the originators. I mean, you jumped in pretty quickly, willing to take a spot in this. <laughs> I mean, it was so it started as kind of um, so uh, uh, Pixie and Magic with Zuby had done kind of a wrestling style promo video for like uh, for their part of Magic with Normies. They were going to be playing against each other and they did these whole wrestling personas and promotional uh, like commercials or these promotional videos. And, you know, somebody people were joking online about, well, we need more of these types of things and magic. And uh, we, uh, I basically said, yeah, I'm, I'm up for it. And somebody uh, uh, chain uh, called me out um, and was like, yeah, let's do it. And it kind of spiraled from there. So at chain underscore commander uh, on Twitter, just basically is like, yeah, that's it. We're feuding basically and established it. And then, um, like all of a sudden I was like, well, we need a pod and Mr. Bevers jumped in and then you jumped in. And then we all of a sudden had a pod of four people willing to create personas. Uh, mine was Karkashima, the mix of Kark and Sakashima, <laughs> who was coming out from under the thumb of Nicol Bolas, searching for his way in this crazy world. Uh <laughs> I was disrespected at every step of the way. That's all I really remember about the whole incident. I just remember you being and, one of and the we others. might have raised money for charity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even get a shout out in, in one of your videos. I was just one of the others. Let's look, it, we were we were lucky that I was able to get the numbers correct in that, let alone remember four people's names. <laughs> Um, Math is for blockers, and I don't actually remember you doing much bl blocking in that game. So exactly, <laughs> not sure why you needed to do math. I I mean, it, no one went back and checked me, but that, let's just say I don't think that math was totally correct. I'm not I'm not confident that that math was uh, fully sound. <laughs> um, okay, and uh, that was the most recent one. What you being part of three of them, but not never the original originator, uh, you could say of all of them. What are some of the challenges that you think really go into a project like this? Yeah, so I mean, um, coordination is is the biggest. So the I, I actually kind of had for the mental health MTG. I, I kind of took on just doing so much during that whole month. Um, so Seth Cross had approached me. Um, 
kind of because the year before him and I had tweeted a lot about mental health MTG. And it kind of just started again with like, well, we want to be tweeting stuff daily about mental health MTG, using the hashtag, trying to bring awareness to the stigma of mental health, the conversation around mental health. And he had reached out and to a bunch of other creators that kind of had suggested this would be, you know, something that they would be interested in tweeting about. That's kind of where it started. Just we were kind of trying to get people, recruiting people to be willing to use the hashtag and to talk about it. And I kind of said, well, you know, couldn't we do a, um, basically, couldn't we do a charity event? You know, couldn't we do a day of this where we kind of raise money for something? Um, and it is one of those things that we then, you know, we, I had not done even kind of a, you know, I think of these, these, these command fest, or even I think of the, there was like a creator, commander creator reunion that I was part of a panel on, um, you know, talking about the game with like Sheldon and Chase and we were, you know, I got to play a game with the, you know, same sort of thing I played on there. They had games going all weekend long. They had these panels. So that even had been kind of overwhelming to me. And I was really just kind of being, you know, here's my availability. And then they plugged me in places. And then, you know, so I knew nothing about trying to coordinate this or how it works. And I don't really stream. And so, you know, it was kind of one of these like, well, I have this great idea. I don't know anything about execution. And as, as we kept going along the month, more and more learning that and learning what I don't know. But I'll be honest, just trying to coordinate schedules for a large amount of creators on a single day that they can all stream with not overlapping. And we're not up against a ton of competing streams so that we are able to drive some traffic to us and, you know, and then figuring out how to set up there's ways to get Twitch to be able to interface directly with charities and with raising money. And these are all things that I just never, it just didn't even really occur to me. I was like, ah, just give, give people a link. They'll just go donate some money. Um, and then, you know, the second one, I mean, I think, it, well, it's so that one was the biggest one. That's the one that I noticed the most hurdles for, um, you know, ours was a one-time thing you know we streamed for you know the, the biggest thing i think is we ended up streaming for longer than we were planning to so it was just kind of trying to stay upbeat trying to stay engaging um because you are entertaining at the same time right you know if you, you want people that drop into the stream to stay so that they can see the donations or the giveaways and then maybe oh well i want to do that so you know you're we, we you know you're hitting like four hours of of a game two in a row. It can become just incredibly exhausting. Uh, the mental health one, I did not realize that I signed myself up for a very large like portion of the games, and even going to be doing like back to back ones and all this stuff. And it it wasn't until I kind of sat down and looked at it and realized like wow, um, that really means trying to be entertaining for a very long period of time and have a lot of energy for a very long period of time. I mean, you do that on an almost weekly basis anyway, though, right? Yes. I mean, that is, that is the thing, you know, so I, I will say too, that's the thing that's made doing these, you know, doing them in kind of short order was the other thing. I think trying to figure out how to space these, because we ended up going straight from almost the, the May one. I came off of that. We were already starting to plan kind of the one for, uh, June because we wanted it to be in June to co coincide with um, LGBT kind of awareness and LGBTQ month. And um, so we, you know, we jumped almost immediately into that and it was like, okay, I got to 
for ours, it was like, okay, I got to film a promotional video and <laughs> I don't really know how to edit videos. These are, once again, I, I, you know, like the, the Goblin Lore podcast is really lo-fi. I mean, <laughs> we, we don't stream, uh, we barely talk about actual playing of magic. Um, and we're text only. I mean, we're, we're uh, audio only. So yeah, it was just wild to me to realize just how much of that energy it took because when Alex and I record, we don't, we don't record with video for each other. So, you know, I don't have to worry about, am I looking in the camera or, you know, where's my hands? Am I, you know, what does my board state look like? I mean, it's not, these are things that when you're doing a stream, you actually do, you need to make a product that can be viewable. And on top of that, have energy. I mean, it's, I, I, I already find streaming um, incredibly exhausting. And then to add in kind of the emotional component and wanting the stream to do well and really kind of the expectations and hope that it will do well. Um, you know, each time I try to go into it with kind of tempering that, being realistic. Oh, okay, well, if we raise some money, you know, we got to play some magic. It's, it's, it's just, it's going to be fun. But, you know, I know that you can talk a little bit about this for, for your side. I don't know. But when you and I did that with Mr. Bevers and Chain, like there to me felt like, you know, we, people were donating prizes for us to give away. Uh, all of a sudden people were actually sitting down and watching and then like donating for us to do silly things because we were using <laughs> like a point system where people could give us all land drops and weird stuff. But like, right. You know, it, all of a sudden to me, I felt like overwhelmed by this idea that, well, but this has to do well. What if it doesn't do well? I, I don't, like, don't want to let people down. I don't want to, you know, I don't know. I just feel like there, there's a lot of starting to be able to easily get into your own head. Um, circling back around to something completely unrelated to uh, the to the cherry part, you talked a little about the about this already. You and the Goblin Lore cast are currently on a um, hiatus for the month of August um, to recharge. Yes. Can you? We you already have. Good. Well, we already have, and I will say we already have, so this is, you know, you and I are meeting mid, mid to end month of August. We do actually already have an episode recorded. Um, we're, we do talk a lot more there at the beginning of that episode too, explicitly about kind of the, the fact that we were running like this. You guys, whoever you, you, anybody who's listening right now is getting a little bit of a preview of kind of what we're going to be talking more explicitly about, because um, I think that when we did, our little clip just to let people know Alex mentioned some of this, but we really got a lot more personal about just kind of the toll that it was taking trying to run week to week. Um, so we've been on a, a, a hiatus for, for the month of August. And I think that once we kind of got together this past weekend to record, because that was kind of the goal is, okay, it's not that we don't want to record anything. It's just that we want to try to record and get a couple of episodes banked. And I think it is us recognizing you know, how do we plan around these needed bake, uh, breaks that, that may be very real and needed even three years into a cast? Um, things don't always run seamlessly. Uh, I'm about to have another baby in like three and a half months, Woo. you know? The, the, <laughs> it's, it's a very, very much a shock. Um, if, if, if you follow me online at all, you, you may have seen it, but I may have talked about it. I may have posted ultrasound photos because that's how, the type of person I am. Um, but also part of that is just because that, that is my Twitter presence is, you know, this is my life. This is who I am. And, um, you know, if, if, if push comes to shove and we have to take a break around that time, we, 
we're we're going to do it. And we're thankful to have the community that I think we've helped foster with this cast, at least the community that we interact with in our Discord and everywhere else. Um, they're the they're, I would say that that's one of the driving things that keeps Alex and I able to keep doing this cast is we know that if something happens, we have people who have, who have consistently had our back. And as long as we are communicating with them, are are there when we come back. You know, we when we've come back from any breaks we've had to take, we've come back to, you know, people that are still engaged and people that are still listening and, and getting, you know, people reaching out and talking to us and commenting on what they heard in the episode and what it meant to them. And I think that that is a really big factor of why we haven't had one of these breaks and then just stopped. Because there's a lot of casts that do that. I mean, that's that's kind of how cast end a lot of times i think is that they were it, it ends up being a a hiatus that just extends the full interview can be found on mtgnexus.com it's time for a break but when we come back we'll have updates on the world championship picture a change in the jumpstart historic horizon schedule and more Throughout the multiverse, there are legends and there are wonders. Some things that seem inexplicable are merely clever applications of magic. This show is not about those. This show is about the multiverse's true mysteries. The ones that no one has been able to explain until now. Through painstaking research, discussions with experts, and often life-threatening exploration, we have found the truth. Open your mind. Join us on this journey into the Mana Vortex. Coming soon to WNX Ads. Welcome back. We're just over a month and a half out from the highly discussed World Championship, and the landscape of the tournament is starting to take its full shape. Iso, can you tell us more? Sure thing, Kit. It's safe to say that the Challenger Gauntlet went much more smoothly than the Secret GP, despite sharing the same weekend to be run. This was one of the last chances for players to get into the World Championship, and the competition is getting fiercer as the changes get slimmer. The field for the top 12 was an adventurous one, as three players went with Naya Adventures and five decided on Gruel Adventures. The lower bracket saw at least one adventure deck in each round, and featured a mirror match between two of the Gruel players in the semifinals. But other popular themes, like Soldai Ultimatum and Is It Control, didn't go unrepresented, and the dark horse Naya Winota even ended up making an appearance. The final four of the event, and the newest four members of the World Championship landscape, are Sam Party, Noriyuki Mori, Keisuke Sato, and Arn Hushenbeth. The last qualifiers for Worlds will be determined the first week of September. Jank? Thank you, Isa. With all of the hype surrounding Jumpstart Historic Horizons, listeners may be interested to know that there's been an unexpected delay in its release. 
just before the initial release date of August 10th, an article was posted on August 9th explaining that they did not feel the set was as ready as it could or should be. As such, the release was delayed to August 26th. Part of the initial release plan also included an unusual split in the August competitive season. This was also changed to better align with the new release plan, with the August season ending on the 24th and the September season beginning that same day. Next up, on a recent Twitch stream from the official Magic channel, some of the basic information about the two new Innistrad sets scheduled for this fall was revealed. We'll throw it to Diz to find out what was shown. Diz? Thank you, Kit. The two upcoming sets, Crimson Hunt and Midnight Vale, each hold a different focus. Midnight Hunt seems to be focused on Arlen Court and the werewolf community, where Crimson Vale will see the wedding between Soren Markov and Olivia Voldaren. This feels largely like a political marriage, but I can't fathom what Soren gets out of it. Maybe this was the price for helping him get out of that wall. It's unclear so far, because all we've seen of Crimson Vale up to this point is the packaging material, where Soren looks like a model for a romance novel cover. That romance novel? I did not know you were into vampires. Everyone is into vampires. It's just a question of whether you like them sparkly or murdery. Well, only one of those seems true to Innistrad, and it's not sparkly. It's true. Something should be saved for the fanfiction. How much do we know about the set's actual story? The only cards we've seen so far are from Midnight Hunt, but they're pretty interesting thus far. A modern humans deck staple, Champion of the Perished, now has a zombified version. Champion of the Perished depicts the same character, but instead gets plus one plus one counters from zombies entering the battlefield. Very little so far. It starts with the sun appearing for shorter and shorter times each day, and on a plane like Innistrad, that's bad news for the humans. As a result, they turn to something called the Harvest Tide Festival, which features a pact with warlocks to attempt to restore balance. Midnight Hunt releases September 24th, and Crimson Vow were released November 19th. Each set will continue the pre-release week schedule, and I'll be here to share more about the sets as we learn it. Jank? <laughs> Thank you, Diz. With the organized play scene being as confusing as it is currently, it seems like many esports teams are breaking away from the official organized play structure, or what's left of it. This led to some players creating their own esports team called Degenerate Gaming. MTG Nerd Girl, Ali Entrazi, and Magic YouTuber Covert Go Blue have announced themselves as the founding members. Details have not been totally forthcoming yet, but the intent behind the team is for it to be independent and community-driven. The community has shown themselves in support of this initiative, and the team has made it known they're open to sponsors. We look forward to seeing them do great things. Our final story. As an apology of sorts, until Jumpstart Historic Horizons is released, there are free premiere drafts available on Arena. At the time of this episode's release, the format will be Ikoria, Lair of the Behemoths draft, but Amonkhet and Kaladish Remastered both have made appearances. Players get access to one free draft token per set, and considering how much in-game currency is usually required for a premier draft, it's hard for arena players to say no. Have you used yours yet? No, but I likely will for Ikoria. I'm better at drafting that set.
That's all for this edition. We'll see you next time. Same time, new news.